0: down to the last comic shop in five four three two one cross the rainbow bridge of asgard where the booming heavens roar you'll behold in breathless wonder the god of thunder mighty Thor. Yeah. 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 Bravo. I know, right? I've been waiting so long to do that. <laughs> it's the last comic shop. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I've got Chad Smith and J.A. Scott, and I have been waiting. I mean, I think we've only done one other Thor book. On this show, right? We we did that what Donny Cates run a really oh, long right. time ago. It's like one of our first or second episodes, so we haven't had an opportunity for me to belt out the theme song to the '460s cartoon, which is really great. I I did a, a blog on it out on my on my website, and I think sincerely that is. One of the best of those Marvel superhero shows with the limited animation. You guys remember watching those, right?
1: They were basically like the playbook for the motion comics, where they yes. would just take panels and
0: animate mouths, and that's it. Right. Yeah. J.A. was a big fan of like the old Captain America ones. I know he watched some of the Captain America ones with me. I did. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> if you say so, I don't remember.
0: <laughs> they must
2: have been traumatic. It was obviously had- at your house since I grew up without a television. We had it on VHS. I had a VHS. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Any case, you're right, Chad.
0: They took a lot of either Jack Kirby or Don Heck. And they basically animated some of the legs, but it's basically almost like a panel for panel remake of some of the great. And it was pretty cool, too. One I remember one of my favorite episodes is one called Molto the uh, Lava Man that not only combines the original appearance of a lava man from the Thor book, but then gives you Avengers number five where they fight the lava man, And they just kind of combine the two stories together into one episode. It was pretty cool. Anyways, we're not here to talk about the old Marvel superheroes TV show on today's program. We are here to talk about the Thor movies.
2: A comic book. That's right. We're doing comics. The last comic shop, not the last movie shop. Okay.
0: But people are going to be expecting our Thor Love and Thunder review. and
2: our eh, patience, It'll be at the end somewhere.
0: It'll be at the end somewhere. <laughs> yeah. S- stay for those post-credit sequence and, and maybe you'll get it. But to start off our program, we're going to give you a comic book review because you may have gone see the movie or maybe you're planning to see the movie. And we're going to talk about a comic book that you should definitely check out before you go or maybe after you go. Whatever. <laughs> so, uh, Chad, what comic book are we checking out today? so we are doing thor
1: the goddess of thunder written by jason aaron with art by russell Donnerman and then matthew wilson did colors joe sabino uh, did letters and production and this came out circa 2014 say it followed closely behind original sin and then led up to secret wars and then was restarted again later on but yeah we're reading issues one through eight
0: it's worth That's right? So this is not the first appearance of Jane Foster as Thor. Uh, for all the comic book fans out there, maybe Chad can give it, get a guess. What was the first appearance of Jane Foster as Thor? Uh, are we counting the "What If" Jane Foster? Did Jane
1: Foster <laughs> had the power of Thor.
0: We are. That's what I was hoping that you'd say, because that—what do what, what, they call that—a key? It's a key issue. Because it is actually the first appearance of Jane Foster Thor. So that's actually the one that's more valuable than even the first issue of this series. Because that's where the uh, idea originated. Jane Foster getting the hammer of Thor. And
2: J.A., what happens in those first eight issues? So to set the scene, during Original Sin, uh, Nick Fury is fighting Thor and whispers something in his ear. Which causes Thor to drop the hammer on the moon and then he can't pick it up. He's, he's lost the ability to raise and wield Mjolnir. So he is obviously no longer worthy. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! <laughs> 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 uh, the guardians are worthy. They all Correct! Try. They all try, even Odin, who then curses the hammer. Because it's his hammer. While this is happening in another section of the world, on Midgard... The Roxxon Corporation, which is like the Marvel equivalent of Weyland-Yutani, <laughs> they are being attacked in their one of their undersea realms by the Frost Giants. Because apparently in their vault, they have the head of King Laufe of the Frost Giants, which looks <laughs> like this giant blue skull. I was actually disappointed. I thought the skull looked too human-like. The Frost Giants should have, like, larger mandibles or something. <laughs>
0: You can't have, like, a fossilized beard. Come on.
2: So, they are attacking the Roxanne Corporation when suddenly Thor shows up. But Thor is a woman. And not only is Thor a woman, Thor has the incredible power over Mjolnir, something that the original Thor never had. She can make Mjolnir change directions mid-flight and and bounce off things and uh, do all this other stuff, like go in circles. So, She's badass. Um, Bottom line. And then what happens is essentially uh, the Frost Giants have combined with Malekith to try to get this head, and Thor is trying to stop them, and the original Thor now, just son, is trying to figure out who Thor is. So he's got this long list of women that he's going to, and he said, are you Thor? (laughs) No. Crosses (laughs) that off. He goes, Jane Foster, are you Thor? No, she's got cancer. Can't be her. And so... That's essentially the story. And by the end of the eight issues, we do learn that it is Jane Foster.
0: There's like a a couple swerves that happen there. You think it's this uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, uh, Roz Solomon, for a while, uh, who was, I guess, another one of those Thor babes that I I can't remember. Chad, do you remember what series... He was with Roz with... Uh, it was
1: in the lead up to this. It was the Jason Aaron. Uh, it wasn't the mighty... Uh, go-
0: it thought of God of Thunder?
1: Yeah.
2: There you go. Okay. Well, okay. It started with God I Bomb could- and Gore and all that. Right. I do love that his list of possible Thors is essentially his ex-girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's so vain well she did plant a pretty passionate smooch on him at one point but well, that and, and then he thought okay can't be my mom yeah. <laughs> at least he that. hopes it wasn't his mom <laughs> right
1: it's a little yeah, marty mcfly there for a second
0: you find uh, you found that it is jane foster at the end of the series and then again to chad's point they took some time off because secret wars happened and so um during that series you actually got the thors as cops Yeah, pretty cool.
1: Not an official recommendation, but if you have the time, it's worth checking out.
0: Oh, yes, it is a good Thor as Cop Procedural. (laughs) It is pretty good. And it's got all the awesome ones. It's got Thor from, I don't know, the. ah, I'm getting off track. Anyways, long story short, eventually they pick the series back up after Secret Wars and you get a little bit more of this story now that you know Jane Foster. But for the first eight issues, they really do a good job of kind of swerving you and making you not think... That it's Jane it's somebody else and so I'm gonna sit back a little bit and let you guys give the initial thoughts because this is the I think actually like the third time I've read
2: this particular collection of issues so we'll start off with Jay what did you think so I love the idea that if you are worthy when you pick up the hammer you become Thor because that's what the inscription says right So I just love that idea that, okay, Jane Foster, cancer patient, she picks up the hammer and she becomes Thor. Captain America picks up the hammer and then he just can throw the hammer around and maybe gets a bit of lightning, but he's still Captain America. No, that's not how it works. She becomes Thor. I I love that idea. I love how they play with it. I love that as she gets to use the powers more and more, she becomes more confident, and, and the hammer is almost like this living object. It responds to her, and it, it grows in stature as well, and you know she can control it and do things with it that the original Thor never could. So I love that aspect of the book that the writers took on. I love the basic storyline, you know, you get some frost giants, you get Lao you, you, you these are the heavy hitters in the Thor world, you get Odin being curmudgeonly, because that's Odin, he's always, the only thing missing, and maybe they get into it later, is Loki, uh, but other than that, it's a fun book, There are some issues with it that I think we'll get into when we when we discuss sort of what we didn't like about the book, but in terms of straight up comic booking, the the dialogue was good, and the art is beautiful
0: all right chad what do you think
1: so piggyback off some of jay's points it was really fun even to see the internal dialogue between jane and her thor self like she would say these words that would come out in thor speak and then you'd see the thought bubble like what was that you know (laughs) and and she runs through like some of the greatest hits of thor quotes you know she'll have words with thee and all that other fun stuff and i do think and this is my impression of, of jason aaron's books in general. These are good comic books. Like, a bit of melodrama. Anytime you're dealing with Thor, you have to have the ridiculous elements dealt with seriously, but not too seriously. And I I think Jason Aaron plays his hand very well with this book. Which, we also didn't mention, Thor gets his arm chopped off. Yeah. And an issue later, (laughs) the dwarves have made him a new arm out of Urdu. So it doesn't really matter that he lost his arm. But he did. And, like...
2: (laughs) And, it, and then because he doesn't have the hammer, he has to get around using his goat. So he rides his goat Toothnasher. <laughs> who at one point, he tells Toothnasher not to eat Coulson. Yes, yeah. it is a nice Thor in
0: terms of Odinson, like Thor Odinson. He's a very vulnerable character in this. It's similar to like Superman, where like Thor can basically do anything and he he can punch almost any problem to death. So you have to write him from a different perspective. You have to give him like human frailty or vulnerability. And so you get that in spades here, whether it's losing his arm, whether it's crying over the fact that Molnir doesn't get it, whether it's talking to all his ex-girlfriends and seeing how he basically screwed up all these relationships, whether it's these touching scenes with Jane Foster and how he wants her to take the more magic stuff to immediately heal them. and she's like nope magic has a price you know not just the foster thor in this you get a really good Odin set,
1: and, it, and it's what you want out of a thor comic and it is deconstructing thor it is breaking thor down and all this culminates in that war of the realm series that i swear i'm gonna read one of these days <laughs> um and it's just every time i dip my toe back into the water i'm like oh i like this oh i could spend more time in this universe with these characters and Jane, like we alluded to earlier, she's great because she has that humanity. You know, She's just discovering all these powers. And you get the best of all these different worlds here. I do wish that it wasn't so tied in to the Marvel Universe as a whole. There are parts of this where it's like, oh, I, you know, if you didn't read Original Sin, you're going to be mixed up in it. Or the fact that it pauses and has to restart again for secret wars that kind of stuff always just kind of bothered me because if you're somebody you know that wants to read through this story it's like oh okay i'll read volume one here and then what's next volume one wait a minute (laughs) like i I wish they would have just let it be its own thing in its own universe but that's that's a petty uh complaint there this stuff is just good old fun
0: yeah i'm gonna agree with both of you guys ultimately Uh, There's a reason why I read this three times. It's because I really do like it. And I did actually finish the rest of this uh, Thor run as as Jane Foster leading up to her quote-unquote death. Although she, spoiler alert, she doesn't die. But um, I will say this, though. I, as a comic book reader, never had a problem with there being a female Thor. Thor was not a character I was married to. I didn't mind Jane Foster getting the hammer and becoming, you know, a new version of this character. But I feel like some of these issues in these first eight are sincerely written in a way to kind of say, hey, look at how much of a woman she is and how all the other women are really okay with this and how you should be okay with it, reader. You should be really okay with this.
1: I was going to say, is that a bad thing?
0: It's not. But it, I don't know, in some ways it feels a little patronizing because for those people that didn't have a problem with it, we were like, yeah, you don't have to like bring out every single female character in the Marvel universe and I'll have them standing there saying, oh yeah, she's great. She's wonderful. No, I get that. I read yeah. the issues. I don't need Carol Danvers telling me she's awesome. And then Jessica Drew telling me that she's awesome. And Scarlet Witch saying, oh, she's badass. I get she's badass.
2: I guess it just comes off as clumsy. Like yeah, like that scene in M game, which a lot of people loved and a lot of people thought was okay. It's okay, but it's kind of clumsy. And then the, there's the bad guy with the ball and chain. And then the woman knocks him out and says, uh, yeah, I'll go back to jail because it's good to see a woman. Right. <laughs> that, that, yeah.
0: that Titania scene was like, I think that's the encapsulation of my thought here. Again, I love Jane Foster Thor. I love her being Thor. I think she's awesome. I didn't have a problem with this. So the fact that Titania comes up to where and goes, yeah, I'm going to surrender because you're a female Thor and I respect you as a female. I was just like, no, why don't you fight? Cause that would be what people would do. You know, I, I don't know. It's like Titania gives her a pass because she happens to be, I was just like, uh, no. You can see I, what counter I Yeah. Chad, go ahead.
1: I, I definitely see where you're coming from and I definitely can see the perception that parts of it are are clumsy and understand that at this time there was a lot going on in Marvel, a lot of efforts for diversification. You had things like the Sam Wilson, Captain America, not Lady Thor, Thor, goddess of thunder, people will take umbrage. You had Miles Morales stepping into lead role and coming into the Marvel universe post uh, secret wars. And it was a lot of stuff. That ruffled people's feathers, especially people from the old guard, you know, that that didn't like change. And sure, there were times as a reader you could say, ah, that was a little bit forced. And the movie scene, definitely forced. But I I can't help but applaud Marvel's efforts, even though not every step might have been true or, or, you know, it was an honest effort and it was unique. And then this, you know, begets things like A Force. Definitely things that are looking to serve an audience that we might consider outside the normal comic book culture. Mm-hmm. And so to throw them some of those curveballs, like, oh, Titania's going to come up after she just broke a Absorbing Man's jaw, and oh, there's going to be a big fight. And then the fight is, no, game respects game. I'll let you take me. And I have friends I haven't talked to in a while. <laughs> it was a nice little swerve. Like, it's one of those things where I think if you're looking to take an issue with it, it's easy to do that. But if you allow yourself to just be a part of the story and understand that, hey, this effort's there for a reason, I, I didn't see any of those moments as as nearly as egregious as the movie, where they just lump those characters together for one moment. And yeah. They're like, look, there it is. So <laughs> I, I can see both sides, but I, I, I don't think it's as clumsy, I guess, as what you know we were talking about earlier. I think it was right. done done in good faith.
0: Well, I think, and and I I do want to put one more footnote on my comment here. It's the third time I've read this. And so, like, it just became a little bit more apparent to me upon multiple
2: readings. No, I think, look, I read it for the first time and I thought it was a bit clumsy, sort of like that. It reminded me straight up of that scene, which was okay, but it was just clumsy, you know, in in, uh...
0: well-intentioned. Like, I I, yes, I, I do yeah. agree with Chad. Well-intentioned, but I was just like, maybe if they had just the Titania scene, and and then, like, they didn't have later on, like, basically. Yeah, I think Destroyer. the Titania
2: scene, I was fine with it. Yes, I was fine with the Titania scene until the Destroyer scene, because the Destroyer scene was straight up end like, now, game. Yeah. Wow,
0: let's bring them all. And then yeah. you're just like, now it's, it's getting a little gr- gratuitous.
2: Stupid to
0: say it bluntly anyways let's go ahead and get to our rating so let's get that rating scale from
2: ja what is our rating scale for this week i think because it plays such an outsized role in this book and series one out of four hammers
0: Ah, i was hoping you'd say that
2: all right so we'll start off with you ja how many hammers are you giving this i'm gonna have to give it uh 3.25 Three point two five hammers. Um, not quite a four, uh, you know. There's some a bit of clunkiness, and and I agree. It, it, the series start stops because they had to shoehorn it in between these larger events. But when you're in it, it's just great comic booking. I loved, and what I uh, wanted more of was that playoff between Freya and. Odin where Freya had been leading the Asgardians and then Odin comes back and Freya's like yeah you weren't very good (laughs) and they want and and people want to follow me because I'm actually a better ruler (laughs) you're just a grumpy old man and and I did love there's a scene where um Freya talks to Thor the goddess Jane Foster Thor and then Thor flies away and Freya goes damn I should have picked up the hammer (laughs) (laughs) but I had the chance so, um, I, it was fun. It was a fun book. You have the intrigue. You have Malacheth doing all of these dastardly things. Again, you know this evil corporation. i just waiting for them to find the alien. <laughs> I mean, they've got. They've got to have a xenomorph in that vault somewhere, probably in the box next to uh, Luffy's skull. I was gonna say now that Marvel uh, has the
1: alien's license,
0: you bet they do. That's true. <laughs> so it was a it was a fun book. And I highly recommend it. All right, Chad, you're up. You laying the hammer down on this? Or hammer, don't hurt him.
1: Uh, no, I'm going to go with uh, J.A.'s pick there. It's a 3.25. I think this is an example of really good comic booking. It's lots of fun. And the mystery is such that I do kind of regret not reading this monthly as it came out. Just because I feel like this is the type of series that, you know, if I could get started with it and stick with it, I can have a really good time. Now, with that being said, there are some parts that are kind of clunky. There's even some parts with Russell Donnerman's art where it seems like he goes in, like to a heavier inking line in some of the scenes with the Frost Giants. It just looks different, and it takes me out of the story a little bit for reasons I don't uh, entirely understand. I don't know. Sometimes things, I guess, weren't as clear there. And is this a story that I'm going to remember for years to come? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> what?! I enjoyed it. You know, I I enjoyed it while I was here. I do want to go and keep reading and finding out more. My biggest criticism is it's not the best thing there is,
2: which is not much of a criticism at all. And to your point, Chad, about reading it on a monthly basis, they waited until issue eight to essentially reveal that Jane Foster is Thor. So you had these beautiful covers coming out each month. And the eighth issue is this beautiful cover, painted cover of Thor starting to take the helmet off so you could see who it was underneath. Because uh, we didn't mention, like, Thor has a helmet with uh, goggles on, so you can't Which see who's underneath. Awesome.
0: It really is. Like, I mean, if you're talking about the character design of Thor, Goddess of Thunder, they nailed it. They made it look different enough from Thor. And, and again, that helmet just, it just works so well. And I, I think that's where I'm going to come in this was a series that I continued long after this. And so I'm going to say this is a this is a solid three. I do recommend that anybody that goes and sees Thor uh, Love and Thunder go out and pick up this book. Because you're going to become a fan of the Jane Foster Thor in comic books as well, based on this. But it is kind of like hors d'oeuvres before the main course that you get later on in this book. And there's some great stuff coming up. Volstag becomes the War Thor, So like, you know, Volstag, he's like that enormous beer belly guy. He gets a hammer and ends up becoming like, I don't know, the bringer of death. It's, it's crazy. And there's some wonderful stuff between Jane Foster and uh, Thor Odinson. And then so it's a good starting place for the rest of Jason Aaron's run with Thor goddess of thunder. So if you got to start here and luckily here is pretty good. I just, in retrospect, maybe it doesn't hold up as well under multiple readings, but I really love the Rus- Russell the Donnerman art. I really do. Like there are some scenes in there that are just so kinetic with the way that the hammer is flying around and even just some of the human scenes. Again, I go back to that scene with Thor uh, cradling jane foster in his arms you know as she's sick with cancer it's it's heartfelt it made me tear up a little bit so any case we'll be right back with more of the last comic shop right after these commercial breaks we're gonna be talking about recommendations and then you know you might get a little something more so stay tuned hi i'm kevin de and i'm sean flanagan and we are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast covering the Ninja Turtle comic book series one issue at a time, plus the video games, the cartoon show, the VHS tapes. If it's Ninja Turtles, we'll cover it. Ninja Turtle Nerds is available wherever you get your podcast. Madison is on the air. What happens when 20-something Madison
1: is zapped into old-time radio shows? No technology.
2: Ah, uh, why well, want to go to voicemail. No Starbucks. Don't Call yourself a coffee shop if you only sell drip coffee. And
0: no one is PC. I don't need no lip
2: from- Were you about to say woman? Because I'm wearing a gun and I have no idea how to use it.
1: Madison on the Air serves to highlight the way we were and the way we are today with original radio drama scripts adapted to include the modern-day Madison as she joins famous characters from radio's past, including Sergeant Joe Friday.
2: Just the facts,
0: ma'am. I've never actually said that. Marshal Matt Dillon. We're not having a shootout with a
1: 10-year-old kid. I'm too woke to be a part of this. Superman.
2: I didn't realize how cold it would be flying like this!
1: I have to get into the higher atmosphere. And many more. Visit us on the web at madisonontheair.com or find us pretty much any place podcasts can be found.
2: You talk so old-timey? I have no idea what you said, but it's adorbs. Did the Iron Fist Netflix series leave a bad taste in your mouth? Uh, Are you caught up in the hype of Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings? uh, Have you ever wondered what these characters true origins and adventures are like, but you don't have the time to read through hundreds and hundreds of issues? uh, Then subscribe to the Deadly Podcast of Kung Fu where I, JVD, traverse the continuity of Marvel's most prolific martial artists in Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. Each week I break down a story arc and discuss the good and the bad within the pages to save you hours of reading through comics so you can focus on the best of which each character has to offer. New episodes drop every Wednesday for you to listen to on your way to your local comic book shop to pick up your pull list.
0: Alright, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for recommendations. Yes, we like to bring the thunder every single week, and we hope that you love some of these recommendations that we're about to give you that you can pick up at your local comic book shop today. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and start off with uh, J.A.'s recommendation, which I think is pretty fitting because I think we kind of talked about it a little bit at the tail end of the uh, last segment. So J.A., what do you got for us this week?
2: Yes, that's right. I am recommending the next story in the Thor Goddess of Thunder run It's a trade called The Mighty Thor Thunder in Her Veins, also done by Jason Aaron and Russell Dodderman, and it carries on the story. Remember we had said that this sort of idea ran in between a bunch of different giant Marvel conflagration storylines, but this carries on just the Jane Foster Thor story, and you find out why she's dying of cancer and uh, at the same time— how becoming Thor is actually killing her, which is kind of, it's an interesting concept. So you would think that when she becomes goddess of thunder, uh, you know, she's super strong in Thor and everything is right with her. The problem is that it kills, the chemo that she's taking which is in her body to kill the cancer because the cancer is part of her body and the chemo is a foreign agent so every time she goes to chemo the chemo is meant to be killing the cancer but if she becomes thor then the thor power kills the chemo treatment but it keeps the cancer she's sacrificing herself to become thor to help people but at the same time it means that she can't Uh, save herself from cancer, which uh, I love that, uh, you know, the hero's journey, right? Um, And as you mentioned, you get these fun ideas, you get Volstaff, he picks up a hammer and becomes the Warthor, uh, uh, you you carry on with Odin has gone crazy, and it's the whole Freya and Odin and, and the machinations in the Asgardian court. And it carries on with the War of the Realms. If you really enjoyed the Thor Goddess of Thunder 8-issue run, carry on with the series. Sounds good. All right,
0: Chad, what do you got for us? Okay, so I'm going to go, instead of giving you more
1: Norse stuff, because I think we've talked about that in the past with the Norse mythologies and and all the fun Thor books, I'm going to go a little outside the box and recommend... Jonah and the Impossible Monsters, uh, which is a book written by Chris and Laura Somni, art by Chris Somni, who's one of my favorite artists out there. And Matthew Wilson, the color artist for the Thor book that we were just uh, reading, he does the colors on this book. There are two trades available currently. And the basic premise is it's a post-apocalyptic society, sort of uh, been destroyed in this time where all these monsters are roaming the earth. And there are two sisters that get separated, and uh, they find each other. And one sister is your your average kid, and then the other one is a uh, a, a butt-kicker. Doesn't talk, but knows how to handle herself in a world filled with monsters. And these are books, they're all ages books. And they remind me of the the spirit of Thor, and Thor books when they're at their best, where it's really fast-paced. There's tons of ridiculous stuff interspersed with uh, heartfelt moments and lots and lots of action. Uh, It's a really great book about these two sisters. And the Chris Somni art is beautiful. Jonah and the Monsters, check out both of the trades that are out
0: there currently. Okay. Well, I am going to bring us back to Ask Guardian stuff for our final recommendation of today's program. But it's going to be a little bit of a curveball because you think of Marvel. (laughs) When you think of Asgard, because obviously they've got the Thor series, but I'm going to talk about the time that the Green Lantern became Thor. Yes, I'm talking about the last days of the Justice Society of America, which you can get in a great trade. I actually found it in a bargain bin for about six bucks. Uh, it not only has that, but it has a lot of awesome issues of Secret Origins, where they redid all the origin stories of a lot of the Golden Age characters, like Our Man, and the original Jay Garrick Flash, and the original Adam, and the original Sandman, and Dr. Fate, and Alan Scott version of Green Lantern. And in this particular uh, story, again, Last Days of Justice Society of America, Uh, It's kind of an epilogue to another comic book that we reviewed in the last comic shop earlier this year in Crisis of Infinite Earths. See, Roy Thomas, who was a longtime Marvel writer, was writing for DC at the time. And there was an editor's meeting. And after Crisis, he basically went to this editor's meeting and said, what are you guys going to do with the Justice Society of America? Because they're the old heroes now. Are you just going to? I don't know, shuffle them off into the corner or whatever. And basically they asked Roy Thomas if he wanted to kill them. (laughs) And he said, no, but I would like to give them a proper send off. So you have this story, which the specter, His magical power is is going wild and it ends up seeping through the time stream and going back to 1945 where Adolf Hitler has the Spear of Destiny. And he uses this extra magical power to call upon Ragnarok and all the evil Asgardian gods. That is until another part of Spectre reaches out to Dr. Fate in the present time and says, I'm going to send you back in the past with all the rest of the Justice Society and you guys are going to have to fight these Asgardian demons. So they do, they go back and originally they fight them with their own powers. There's Surtur, Loki, there's the Fenris wolf. There's the Midgard serpent, all those folks you remember from Thor, but basically eventually Dr. Fate he gives them the powers of the good Asgardian gods. Like he makes green lantern Thor, and he makes um wildcat tear, the, the God of war. It's just great it's roy thomas at his best roy thomas is a continuity walk and for him to be able to give all these characters a proper send-off in this way is pretty cool and it's if again nothing else you should read it just because it's dc version of the S Guardian myths which i don't think we got anywhere else so yeah last days of the justice society of america go pick it up it's pretty cool And something else that you pick up is our podcast every single week. And you can do that by going out to our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a perfect place where you can find all of our episodes and you can rate and review and subscribe and do all that crazy stuff that you like to do with stuff that you dig. Because I know when I dig something, I like to say some nice things to those people and say, Hey, you're doing a good job. So hopefully you'll, do the same for us. And if you want to leave us some nice things, you can always find us on social media at where Chad. So you can
1: find us on Twitter and Instagram at last comic shop, where we will post daily factoids, golden age covers to put you at bed at night. Uh, you can find our weekly polls. The Jay puts up as well as random comic book discussion stuff. We love uh, talking about comics. And so that is another place where we do that thing. And uh, if you need to find that, you can always go back to the home base, the www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, where they can find, what else? Jay!
2: We've got a link to our armory, I mean our merch store, where you can get t-shirts and tote bags and coffee mugs and weapons of Asgardian metal. Maybe, you have to give them the your, your own business.
1: Asgardian names, though.
2: Right, yes. Call your yes.
1: shirt Heatherborn, Flurfingern.
2: <laughs> I like it.
1: The better name for the mug would be the Mighty Mugnor.
2: <laughs> the Mighty Yes!
1: <laughs> <laughs> or the, the Hoodie of Power.
0: With a Shirt of Swishalosh. Swish, swish, swish. It's and all good stuff. wings
1: on the ears of our hoodies. <laughs> And while you might not find wings on the hoodies of uh, the local comic shops near you, you can go to a shop and find things like the Mighty Thor, Goddess of Thunder, or the Mighty Thor, Thunder in Her Veins, or The Last Days of the Justice Society, or Jonah and the Unpossible Monsters. All that more is waiting for you at your local comic shop. Don't know where that is? Go to the Comic Shop Locator, www.comicshoplocator.com, and buy the store
0: near you. All right. And we hope that you tune in to the last Comic Shop next week for a more great stuff. We've got, I, I think it's Good Asian next week. So it's our start of some of our potentially Eisner Award-winning books but as we get closer to the San Diego Comic-Con at the end of next week. Until then, I was the host with most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Jay Scott. And Chad Smith, and we hope that you stay safe, stay cool, and remember that you don't have to be Thor to get hammered, but it sure helps.
2: Uh, yeah, we didn't mention he, he spends a lot of time in the meat hall. <laughs> He's
1: got some things to work through.
2: Uh, yeah.
0: We're back! We keep doing this to you. You think our show is over, or maybe you don't at this point. I don't, I don't care, because we're just going to keep on doing our movie reviews like this, at the tail end of the show. Just like the post-credit sequence and end every MCU movie, which, by the way, for the Thor Love and Thunder one, which we're doing the review on now... You should stick around for both of them.
2: It was much better than the second post-credit scene at the end of the Spider-Man movie, which was just a preview. What? <laughs> the second, that was the worst. I think you mean what? the Doctor Strange movie, where it was just the Bruce Campbell joke. No, no, no. I mean, I'm talking about the, the, the second post-credit scene for Spider-Man, where all you get is like a... Doctor
0: That was true They just did a trailer for Multiverse of Madness But at that point we were all excited about that movie And that's Sony, that doesn't count Mm. We will get into what those post-credit sequences were In our official review Real quickly, we're going to do a spoiler-free one Then we will get into spoilers So, uh, Chad, spoiler-free, what did you think of the movie?
1: I really enjoyed it I, I think your mileage may vary contingent on two or three things one if you do not like the taika watiti style movie which is very silly and fun and then has some heartfelt moments but if you're like oh they're having fun uh," you're not gonna like this one (laughs) two if you don't like old school guns and roses you're gonna struggle with this one because there's a lot of gnr in this but uh no i thought it was tons of fun and so I would recommend, uh, if you enjoy fun, check it out.
2: Okay, J.A., spoiler-free thoughts. I thought it was the perfect summer movie. It's it's a movie that you'd love to go see in a drive-in or, I guess, in an air-conditioned movie theater with a big box of popcorn. There's a laugh a minute, maybe a little bit too much GNR. Can I say that? Just I enough don't know.
0: GNR! <laughs>
2: <laughs> no spaghetti incident GNR. So, you know, oh. mm. But uh, they did get into uh, use your illusion.
0: <laughs> well, I will say this. That's the uh, anti-Eternals. So if you like the Eternals, oh. you're going to probably hate this movie. If you hated Eternals, you'll probably love this movie. Because for me, they're like on opposite sides of the spectrum. They are dealing with very similar subject matter, but in totally different ways. So it depends on... I guess, different strokes for different folks. That's what I'm saying. But now it is time for spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie, stop. Go see the movie and then come back. Because we are talking about this movie with lots and lots of spoilers. Are we going to do a 10-cent synopsis, guys? Thor v. Gore. Yeah. With eternity really?
1: in the battle. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Thor v. Gurr with uh, Jane Foster wielding the hammer, which right. they gave away in the preview, so everyone knows that.
0: Who, who thought that, like, Jason Aaron should have gotten a co-writing credit on this? Because they just basically took everything from Jason Aaron's run. They were like, hey, you know what's great about Thor? Jason Aaron, god of thunder. His series with gore and God Bomb and all that stuff and going to the
2: Godopolis or wherever that place hey, is. Even, even the Jane Foster Thor and even giving her hammer throwing ability. I mean, they changed it a bit for the movie because it comes apart and comes back together. But the fact that the hammer can do lots of different stuff as opposed to just go in one direction. Yeah. If you, again, if you like Jason Aaron's run on Thor, then you're going to love this
0: movie from gore trek to kill all the gods and the Necro Sword and all that stuff and i was gonna say too people have asked me you know how was gore did they treat
1: gore seriously and they did like you open up on that gore scene with gore and his daughter praying to the gods to help and oh my goodness as a, as a parent especially of a young daughter that that scene was heartbreaking like I'm tearing up two minutes into the movie. I'm like, well, is, is this going to be like oh, devastating the first few minutes?
2: Yeah, the, I wasn't a fan of the gore creature design. I understand why okay. they did it because you got Christian Bale, so you're not going to hide half of his face behind some prosthetic and make him look like Voldemort. But I do like the gore from the comic book. Uh, I thought that the gore in the movie, it wasn't as interesting visually speaking.
1: Yeah, and I, I think to piggyback off of that, I agree that the changes they made, it, he still just looked like Voldemort.
2: Because,
1: of you know, he had the robes and the, you know, the, the white face. And I, I wasn't a big fan of the God costumes either. Like, I expected something a little more impressive out of those.
0: Right. I mean, maybe it was done on purpose, but Zeus's costume... It looked a little spirit Halloween to me. <laughs> and I do love Russell Crowe. And I thought he did the, the job admirably. He kind of played Zeus like, almost like a mob boss. Hey, don't upset the apple cart here. Like, we're trying to get along here. You you fall in line or else we'll, we'll put a hit on on there or something. And two, and the,
1: I don't know if it was done on purpose, camp or not. He looked like he was just mowing the lawn yesterday. <laughs> like you could see tan lines and like Russell Crowe was not like going to get it in shape to be Zeus. Like, you know, he just came out, just parked the lawnmower and put on the little gold chesty thing. It was like, ah, I, I might get a bay accent and I'll be Zeus now. Ah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, that, step away your clothing. And, that's, yeah. uh, not yeah, that, th-
0: yeah, that was a great scene. Great scene. All the women just like their <laughs> jaws drop on the ground. <laughs> Even Valkyrie's like, hold on, wait a second. Let me, uh, do we have to interrupt this right away? <laughs> oh. She could still admire. But um, it was one of those things where I, I thought that like all of the characters, again, I can get your point about gore, but I liked some of the other things that they did with gore, the use of the shadows and the shadow monsters. Uh, I, I told Chad that one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie was when Thor gives all the kids... Basically nightlights uh, in the ending battle. Like because that's what he does, right? He imbues them with the power of light and energy and whatever. And that's what do you fight shadows with? What do kids fight shadows with? Nightlights. They, they teddy bears. Like the fact that the teddy bear became like one of the most powerful weapons to kill the shadows and to kill the darkness. If you thought about it, again, this movie had depth to it. I don't want to I, I don't want people come away thinking like we're just like, eh. This is like, this was all fluff and fun. There was depth to this movie. It was just done in a way that I felt was more digestible than hitting you over the head with it, like Eternals Day. Here's allegory. And I'm just like, no, you don't need to do that. And to piggyback off
1: of that, too, that, that scene with the kids where they, they've they been in their, their child cage, and, you know, there were some scary moments with those kids going in there. But, like, that was the best wish fulfillment scene, that climactic scene with those children. We talk all the time about how comic books, you know, they need to get kids involved in these movies. You know, kids watch these movies. People care about these movies. And that scene was just so great. And for every grumpy old man, that's like, that's not what the comic books were like. Shut up. That was awesome. That's exactly what kids need is that moment where they are empowered literally by Thor and they're fighting the the monsters and like it was so fun and it was so silly but at the same time there's there's an undercurrent there of like hey this stuff is for kids too we need to let the kids have their moment i i, I couldn't picture a better scene in any marvel movie to underscore that than that scene
0: uh yeah, it reminded me a lot of that scene at the end of Shazam, which I also thought was a pretty good scene where, you know, the basically the teenagers all get the powers of Shazam and they fight monsters in that random amusement park. But I thought it was done better.
1: In oh, this yeah. Story.
0: Like, I it, thought it was more direct. You know, it wasn't overblown or whatever. I, I, I just thought it was it was shot better. Like the scene where like the kids are jumping slow mo like they yeah, like it was re- legit kid fighting. Yeah. Like with lightsabers and, you know, the girl holding her teddy bear
1: and spinning around. Ah! Like, lots of fun.
2: So All fun. Right. I was also a big fan of the uh, the goats, you know? 100% <laughs> more goats in this movie. Tooth-Nasher and Tooth-Grinder showing up. They never named them, though. That was a little bit disappointed. But it was a nice throwback to the proper old North mythology that where the goats are the things that actually transport Thor around the la- realms.
1: Right. I thought I was going to get tired of the screaming goat joke
0: real early, Yeah, but no, they, they spaced it out real well. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, and they, and, the, yeah. and they had that climactic entrance, you know, to save Thor. And, and, you know, when they're stealing the lightning bolt, that was awesome. Like, I was just like, yeah, there, there were so many great scenes, whether it was that, whether it was to JA's point, the way that uh, Jane Foster wielded Molnir, uh, the one scene where she throws all the fragments and like they split off like you know shrapnel out of like a, a a grenade and they just they destroy all the shadow monsters and then she uses that power again at the end of the movie to absorb the pieces of the necro sword and oh gosh does she get that great the, scene, which was perfectly written for her where Gore calls her Lady Thor oh. and she's like no it's Mighty Thor or Dr. Jane Foster or shut your mouth bitch was great. Everybody
2: got a chance to shout. What Everybody. what what was your opinion of the love affair between Stormbreaker and Thor? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was such an awesome way to handle that.
2: Yeah. Stormbreaker getting jealous of Thor's attention to mjolnir
0: And just like popping up in the room. Like it, as he's I, talking I, about Mjolnir and like I, I, Again, my, back to my thoughts about, like, you don't have to hit audiences over the head with, with things. You can put these little emotional notes in there. Again, it's the undercurrent of Thor's feelings at that exact moment. He's seeing his old love, his old life, what he maybe secretly always yearns to still want. And uh, Stormbreaker feels that and uh, is kind of like, hey, I'm your new life. Don't forget about me. And again, it's, it's part of Thor's growth, which is... Chris Hemsworth has said that he wants to continue making Thor movies and I hope he gets a chance because I feel like since actually since the first movie through Dark World, especially in Ragnarok, but now in this next, you are seeing some of the best growth of an MCU character from beginning to end that I think we've got a chance to see even more than like Captain America or Iron Man or anybody. I think Thor has had sincere growth over the course of these past movies you guys you guys agree
1: it well it's masked yeah. by all the the ridiculousness but yeah and you see him progress from self-indulgent teen you know gets kicked out of asgard father's reprimanding him to thor learning and growing and you know having all those experiences uh, that's ultimately at the end of the day you know raising a daughter which trivia note you know who played thor's daughter in love and thunder
0: that would be his his actual daughter chris helmsworth's daughter right
1: yeah yeah the adopted daughter character is actually played by his real life daughter in the movie so that's got to be fun if they're
2: going to continue i would be interested to see if they they change the theme a bit for the next movie i mean love and thunder and ragnarok had this very like poppy 80s sort of aesthetic to it and i wouldn't mind you know having another director come on and give us some a little bit more i don't know where are we going to get a Thor movie that's Lord of the Ringsy? Oh, like, I see. Like, well, goes, was, like really, really lean into the Norse mythology side of things.
0: Well, I, I was going to ask you your your, your opinion. I mean, you are, are a cosmic guy, right?
2: Like, you like the cosmic side of Marvel the most. Like, Big fan of Eternity showing up. Great costume design. I mean, hard not to mess up that costume because oh, it's essentially just a silhouette with the galaxy and a half-face. It's one of the best looks in right. all the
0: comics. Yeah. Well, you got the Living Tribunal. You also see Infinity, which is Eternity's, uh, I guess, sister or co-person. You see some Celestials hanging out in Godopolis yeah. or whatever they play. They call that.
2: Um, you got a Celestial head falls over in, in the Eternity Hall. I don't know which Celestial that was.
0: So I, I think that... No, I'm
2: not with you. I want to see more of this. I want to see a trilogy out of Taika Waititi. Well, if he's going to do it, then, you know, the next movie, I have a one humble request. What's that? Give us better Ray Bill.
0: (laughs) There you go. He's becoming a meme at this point. It's like, give us better Ray Bill and give us Mephisto. Like, that's it. Hey we're just waiting for those guys to show up. They like they keep
2: on teasing us with like is this going to be Mephisto? And and if you're going to do the, if you're going to do Mephisto, you're going to do Better Ray Bill. Oh, I guess they're saving Surfer for the but we we don't need the coming of Galactus story. What we need is just the Surfer. Give us the Surfer. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's about time. But I I think you have to introduce the Fantastic Four first before
0: you can introduce Surfer and Galactus. I think
2: you can do Surfer without Fantastic Four as a a cameo, and then he shows up properly in Fantastic Four, but again they've already told the coming of Galactus story badly Uh, so we don't need that movie again. That's true, although I do worry, especially with Hercules
1: as one of the big bads I can't see the the next movie being anything other than like super (laughs) campy Like yeah. super silly, like diving so far into the Taika that it, it almost might drive folks away.
0: Well, I hope not. I mean, I- I- if there's one storyline that I feel like could be the, the basis of the next Thor movie, that would be probably uh, the Chaos War story. Hercules played a big role in. And in fact, he was like ultimately the protagonist and saves the universe in the Chaos War, which is, again, the gods fighting gods and things like that. And I think that's what they're setting it up, because I think Zeus put it bluntly when he said, like, hey, we are the old gods and the superheroes, they're the new gods. And we're not happy with this.
2: But, we, but we won't call them new gods because then we'll have to pay Jack Kirby. So we'll just call them gods that are new. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which is, again, thats I go back to it. That's a classic Thor idea. That's what the new gods were supposed to be in the Thor mythology till Jack Kirby jumped ship. Yeah, they were supposed to be what was setting up in Tales of Asgard in the back of the Thor book. But in any case, let's get to rating. What's our rating scale for Thor Love and Thunder, J.A.? Uh,
2: lightning bolts. Because I love that scene where Zeus was the baton twirler. It reminded <laughs> me of marching band.
0: All right. Well, baton twirler, uh, you're up first, J.A. How many lightning bolts are you giving it?
2: A solid three three and a half lightning bolts uh you know i can't go full four simply because i don't know i'm curmudgeonly i guess uh, three and a half fun movie great summer movie get your popcorn out go to a drive-in movie theater if you can find one and uh enjoy
0: all right chad how many lightning
2: bolts buddy
1: uh i'm gonna go three and a half as well uh, well, I enjoyed this movie a lot because I I, I love the Taiki Watiti stuff. I love Guts and Roses. Uh, all those things check boxes for me. I do think there were parts of this that uh, if you're looking with a critical eye, you could definitely be critical of. Like, for one, the Guardians of the Galaxy, you could tell there was not a plan for what they were going to do with Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, they show up at the beginning of this movie and are dispatched in the first scene because it was just like, oh, we have to address this. And they did, and they moved on. But it's like, wow, that, that didn't need to be there. The other thing, too, about this movie is it really showed me that the Marvel movies, the, the first three phases or whatever, aren't going to happen again. You know, where they built to that big movie and had that one really long, great storyline that culminated, you know, at a 22 movie, you know, hullabaloo. And, and that was just fantastic. But this movie kind of acknowledged that, like, that isn't happening here. And Taika Waititi told a a solo adventure that you didn't need to have knowledge of everything else that came before it. Partially because Korg did such a great job with those narration scenes, you know, transitioning you through. But, like, this was as self-contained as a Marvel movie comes. And the days of the big, sprawling Marvel soap opera being this big awesome thing i think they might be over this is the best we can hope for is really good self-contained things because the stuff that intertwined with the marvel
2: universe didn't work like the guardians of the galaxy stuff i I, I totally forgot that they were in it to be honest until you mentioned it was like oh yeah that whole thing started It, it it was unneeded yeah they could have cut that entire first bit out of the movie you wouldn't have missed it at all
1: But yeah, at the end of the day, though, as Jay said, it's a fun movie. It's something the kids will enjoy. I can't wait until uh, my family gets a chance to see it to see what their reactions are. Yeah, so uh, three and a half
0: is my number. I think I'm going to go a little bit higher than both of you. Uh, I think I'm going to go about 3.85. Oh my! Not 8.5. I'll give it a little bit more. Uh, I've been a fan of all of the Thor movies, actually. I'm one of the few people that likes Thor: The Dark World. I don't think it's a bad movie at all, and I, I like Thor as a character. And so uh, I was in. I was in it to win it from the beginning and i didn't mind the guardians of the galaxy stuff it made thor seem like he stuck out like a sore thumb that he was still trying to find his way you know reinforce the fact he has a place it's just not with them and right. just like the, with the comic books thor does not belong with them thor belongs with folks like the avengers and so anytime they shoehorn him in anywhere he doesn't belong he, he sticks out but i i disagree with chad in the fact that they don't have like a big story or this is building someplace. I do still think it's building someplace. I think it's just taking a little bit of time. And it's kind of like the way that Marvel comics are for many, many years in which you had like multiple different events that were kind of running simultaneously in some of the books, like the Avengers book had an event and the X-Men books had an event and this had an event. And sooner or later, one person would come in and go, you see this, there's your story they would
2: figure out some way of connecting it all together. Yes. I believe the word you're looking for is retcon.
0: (laughs) True. You can use that dirty word. I don't think it is. I think it's somebody being genius and saying, hey, I'm going to connect connect the threads in a way that people weren't thinking before. People forget that Winter Soldier was a retcon and everybody loves it. So retcons are good sometimes. And so I think they, they might do a little with that. I, I still think that there's something going on with the convergences and the multi-universes. I'm starting to believe that Eternals was in a completely different Earth that doesn't exist in the MCU proper is like MCU adjacent. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you watch this movie because you laugh, you cry. Oh God, I cried when, when, when Thor was holding Jane at the end and then Christian Bale turns around and says, there's, here's a God that has compassion and kindness. And even at the face of his own death is willing to embrace, you know, a mortal that he loves you know, I, I think all of that was wonderful. And so, like, this is a great movie. This is probably the best MCU movie I've seen since Spider-Man, which was the best one I saw since, like, I don't know, Infinity War. Because I actually, other than the last 40 minutes, Endgame is not really holding up for me too well.
2: Or, yeah, the time caper, when you rewatch it, you're like, ugh. This is uh, just... Yeah. Uh, a lot of anyways,
0: 3.85. Like all
2: right. know, It's a great movie I will course. point out that uh, this one... And the Spider-Man movie both had uh, Ted Lasso alumni in the post credit scene. So. <laughs> there we go.
0: And that's another Roy reason Kent. why I think it's going to be Chaos War for the next Thor movie. Because I think they've introduced uh, Valhalla and all the, uh, all the gods there. And so it's a, if, you, if you read the comic books, by the way, spoiler alert, at the end, Jane Foster does die in the comic books too. But she's brought back as Valkyrie. She's brought back as a Valkyrie because she was in Valhalla. That's where Odin sent her. You have a war with gods? Who are they going to bring back? But Jane Foster as a Valkyrie. Guaranteed. Put it in lights. It's going to happen thor 5. And that's all I got. And that's all we have for the last comic shop today. You guys have any last thoughts? Boy, I don't think I mentioned how much I loved awkward Jane Foster.
2: <laughs> like
1: she was so great with all that power like trying to find her catchphrase, just be a goof. I haven't seen that side of Natalie Portman in a long time.
2: And how buff she got
0: for yeah. the world too man she was huge yeah come back next week because we'll have all of the potential Eisner Award winners get you uh, ready for San Diego Comic Con and those awards being issued
2: the last comic shop was a 2022 Black Angus production